0: Week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Pat's back and yeah, he's engaged. We'll recap week six and get you set for a very busy week seven. Mackie Jenner makes her TSN debut this week as The Rock Visit Halifax in what should be a fantastic lacrosse game. A lot more plus box bets on OTCB. I am an <laughs> Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight.
1: And there's a go-ahead goal for Albany. Sam Firth with the dumpster dive. This was once a 9-4 game. And even preceding that goal! Shane Jackson! Take off your shoes and pull off your socks and toss them out on the floor. Four minutes left. Teat looking for more. Trying to get around the defender. He scores! But a call from Jeff Teet. You can't give him an inch, or he'll do that to you. Four on the game for him, and it's 15 now for the riptide.
0: As Buffalo gets right back short-handed, Dane Smith float around from McKelly scores! Done. Short-handed goals. The story of tonight. The Albany Firewolves and the Toronto Rock are still undefeated. Hands up if you had that on your bingo card as we reach the second week of January. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Pat's back. He was in the Dominican public for a week. So the show is reunited. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I'm at Teddy Jender Show at OTCB underscore Podcasts or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Uh, you missed a whole lot. Mitch, absolutely Wally pipped you to the moon. Oh, yeah. Um, but welcome back, bud. How was
1: your trip? Hola, amigos. Uh, it was good. It was good to stick my rear end in a beach chair, my toes in some sand, bury a couple of cervezas, and do not a whole lot. Uh, it's been a long time since I've had a – a true vacation like that. So it was much needed recharge the batteries. Um, and now we're back back right in the thick of things, uh, headed to Halifax this weekend should be a great one in the nest, but, uh, I still stayed connected. You did. with the national lacrosse league. I was watching games still. Um, and what a week it was. I didn't want to miss that because there were a lot of great games. Uh, there were, and
0: we will get to it all, but a couple of things I need to get out of the way first. Um, If you remember on the show a couple weeks ago, it was right before Christmas. Oh, yeah. I literally said something about, did you get a ring? No, you said, I said, isn't she your fiance? And you're like, no, not yet. Ha, 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 ha. Unbeknownst to me, you were actually proposing to your girlfriend. So (laughs) congratulations, my man. I didn't ruin the engagement because, as you said, she doesn't listen.
1: No, she is not a friend of the program. Absolutely not. So I could have told, I could have gotten down to the nitty and gritty. Yeah. And uh, she would have never noticed. But no, it's funny you said that because I was uh, screaming internally when you asked me. That. It, was, <laughs> uh, it was quite funny. But uh, no, thank you very much. Uh, it was a special Christmas this year. Uh, really exciting. And uh, it's so funny, though, uh, the amount of messages that I got from some friends and some listeners that were like, holy crap. Teddy
0: almost blew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. So happy for you guys. And obviously then you get to uh, enjoy some time down in the sun. But there was also yes. a comment um, that was made in uh, the Toronto game with our buddy John Abbott. And this has become an ongoing thing with him. Whenever he does his NFL on TSN game promos, He always just gives me a new team to cheer for, and you (laughs) dropped my name as Bandwagon Teddy, and it had Stephanie and Stitches while we were watching the game. I literally had to rewind it and go back to figure out what the hell you donkeys were talking about, and John Abbott's just cracking himself up. Like, what is – why? Why me? Is it just because the
1: Broncos are so bad that I need a team to cheer for? To to be honest, I think it all it all stemmed from I don't know who it was, but I think someone sewered Abs into thinking that you, like some of the other Jenners, oh, were an yeah. Eagles fan, <laughs> and so he mentioned Teddy excited for the Eagles game. Right. Although he could have picked pretty much every other Jenner, and it would have been right. <laughs> yeah. So from there on end, and we were ripping into him, and he was uh, so embarrassed, and and then oh. he so John being you know. Being the actual sneaky trickster he is, um, he decided that this was going to be now an ongoing <laughs> running joke. And, again, I, I don't have the rundown in front of me, but just do it math here. It's a TSN game on a Friday. Yeah. We've got football weekend. There's going to be a I'm problem. looking forward to which team we're going to be cheering for. So I'm, I'm curious to see which team he picks for you to cheer for. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's just awesome. I, I love I love that. It's just the little inside jokes that we can have um, during broadcast. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, we were absolutely in stitches uh, when we heard bandwagon Teddy. Um, <laughs> some news to pass you on your way. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday as Pat's got to fly out to Halifax on Thursday for the Friday TSN game. Um, the Wings signed Nick Rowlett um, to a one-year deal. Obviously, Paul Day thinks face-offs and possessions matter um, they obviously didn't have a good showing uh, in the last couple of games going again, up against some of the top face-off guys in the league. But is this a panic move by Paul Day, or is this just a coach slash GM just trying to better his team and create more possessions for his offense?
1: It's, it's a really interesting and intriguing pickup for me because – I don't want to say Paul Day conceded to the fact that, you know, he went back on what his words were by trading and he never came out and said it, at least I don't know. But the fact that he had one of the most dominant face-off specialists in the game and thought that it was more important, which I tend to agree with that it is more important to pick up, more valuable defenders get younger get faster on the back end and and they did but as we can see there are still some holes on that defense and you could maybe make an argument and again i don't know if it's the right argument but they've been absolutely worked on face-offs for Mm -hmm. for uh, you know if not all the games most of the games they've still found ways to win yep but gaining more possessions allowing your team to you know end runs by getting offensive possessions whatever it may be it's important and maybe he sees an opportunity that nick rowlett is is going to be able to be that guy maybe it's just him like you said trying to better his team Uh, do i think that Again, and to go back to the old adage of, of do face-offs matter, I mean, it, you're an absolute crazy person if you say they don't matter at all. They don't mean anything. Do some people think they matter more than others? Or, you know, of course. If Nick Rowlett is just going to be a face-off guy and just take face-offs and get off, then, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a panic move. If he thinks that maybe Rowlett might be a guy that can take face-offs Practice, learn the game, and eventually become a, a serviceable DI or not even a stud. Like, let's be honest. There's only one, um, you know, Jake Withers on the planet. Mm-hmm. There, there is only one Joe Nardella on the planet. Like, there are not a lot of these guys that are like elite defenders, but also great at taking faceoffs. You gotta be serviceable. Like, mm-hmm. TD Erland is the perfect example. what he has been able to become as a defender, he's not in the, you know, he's not playing last minute defense out of the rock for anymore, but Bruce Codd's not afraid to just give him a regular shift anymore. Right. Whereas when we first saw him, he would, you know, go out the gate, get pulled back. Okay. Guys need a break. Okay. Go TD. So maybe they think Rowlett can be that guy eventually, but let's be honest, it's not going to happen from day one. No. So that's why I find it so interesting. That is what makes it so intriguing to me that mid-season they then go out and try to grab a face-off guy to maybe, I don't know, stop the bleeding, whatever it is. But um, it, it goes to show that obviously Philly's not, you know, waving the, the white towel anytime yeah. soon. They still believe that this is a team that can win.
0: Yeah. I No offense to IDA. He's not a draw guy. Um, and He's no. like at 20.7% of team's a sub 20 overall at the face off dot. So um, yeah, this would possibly give them a few extra possessions. Um, you know, their next game, a few games, Saskatchewan doesn't have a true draw guy. Then they got to go against Baptiste. They got to go against Wiz, and, and then Vegas doesn't really have a draw guy. Calgary's got a Nassio. So they've got some games where they're not going up against uh, one of those top guys, but if they can have somebody that can, at least battle with those top guys. Like, I, I you're right. I, I don't know if it's a panic move if they can find a way to get Jack Rowlett playing minutes, but, or sorry, Nick Nick Rowlett playing minutes. But if he's just the grocery stick on the bench, then you're playing a man down and you're putting a lot of pressure on Higgy and you're putting a lot of pressure on that defense. So, um, be interesting to see how that plays out uh, at the end of the day. Your players of the week were uh, Shane Jackson, went 6-4 for 10. Uh, pretty pretty standard night for Jacko, honestly. And Taggart Clark was your rookie of the week with three goals for the Philadelphia Wings. But let's quickly go back and look at week's, week six in the National Crossing League. Just four games, a quiet week. What was the biggest storyline for you after week six?
1: I I think you have to, you know, tip your cap or at least say the biggest storyline is the fact that Albany's still undefeated. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people had Halifax to be the ones that would end the streak. And and even though, despite the fact Albany is a team that has always played well against Halifax, whether it's in the nest or in Albany, but even back to that new New England team, they've always given fits. But for whatever reason, a lot of people are like, okay, this is where this is where it ends. Um, but for me, the biggest story for myself is that just when everyone thought uh, the Riptide were dead down and out, they, they come out on Sunday and put up 16 and Jeff Teat has an unbelievable f- performance. Are they going to be able to get back into the playoff hunt? I don't know. Unified standing certainly makes it a, a lot more difficult, but I think we were thinking it was going to be Black Monday. If they lost, like I think, I I honestly do believe that someone from the coaching staff was gone. A big trade was going to, like, it was going to be shake up city because let's be honest, you cannot punt on a uh, on a season when fifty one is in your lineup. You cannot. You've already you've already wasted two of his years, and it was his rookie year, his second year. Like he is, he is in year three.
2: Yeah,
1: every year that goes by, and you don't make the playoffs. You don't win a championship. You don't get to a chance Those are wasted seasons of one of the you know, most promising players that we've seen in this game for a long time. The fact that they went out there, not only scored 16, but Dunkerley in that defense held Philly, who has shown some flashes of brilliance this year, yeah. to nine goals. That was a team that just said, enough is enough. We are winning this lacrosse game.
0: Dan Letasura, after the game, uh, said something to, something akin of, like, this can't just be a one-off. This has to be our our, our character the rest of the way. This is how we have to play. Um, I don't think they really want their goaltender, Cam Dunkley, rocking double pink eye every game, <laughs> but he definitely saw the ball a lot better. He seemed a lot more comfortable in between the pipes. I thought their defense was good. They were using Moose in a bit of a transition role. Uh, as well I thought that was a nice little change obviously you know Jeff Teet's going to get his goals but when you get that depth scoring and that was you know one of your um, New Year's resolutions for the Riptides they got to get more scoring other than Jeff Teet and, and I thought they did that awesome. McDonough got his first goal so it was it was a much better performance by this New York Riptide team can they carry this over and put a string of wins together will yet to be seen um, but it is a good start. They got Panther City at home this weekend, so maybe they can put some wins together. And if you get to 2-3, and three, you're right back in the mix. You know what? You start to climb out of that basement. You start to make some waves. You start to build some positivity in that room. Um, so, so that was a you're right a, a massive win for the New York Riptide. Uh, Halifax had a two-goal lead, 10-8 early in the fourth quarter, only to lose it to Alex Simmons in the Albany Firewolves. Uh, We talk about Jacko's 10 points, Georgia finding a way to outlast Panther City, who made a great comeback in that game as they were down pretty much that entire contest. Um, Buffalo jumped all over Colorado, never looked back, beating them 12-8. I thought Dylan Ward looked better, um, looked a little healthier in that game. And then, of course, the Riptide dropping 16 on the wings uh, for your week six roundup. Um, I went through because... My hot take this week uh, for the National Lacrosse League was that Alex Simmons and Ty Kurtz will go down as the greatest rookie duo in NLL history. Um, They both could technically break Jeff Teat's 108 points. Reminder, Jeff Teat only played 16 games uh, in his rookie year because he missed a couple due to COVID. So his numbers, his point average might be better, um, but his overall total, I think Simmons will definitely pass it. I think Kurtz will come close. But those two are sort of the elite rookie. So I wanted to look at offensive trios because we always talk about three-headed monsters in the game of lacrosse. Um, Who do you think is the most prolific three-headed trio in the NLL right now? Like just not not points-wise, but when you just put on paper, what's the best three-headed monster in the league, do you think?
1: Oh, geez. I mean, it's hard to... I think, like, my mind immediately goes to Buffalo because of Byrne and and Dane. But, like, how much is the drop-off to what? Who would it be? Right. Probably Kluche or Nanicoke. Uh What we saw from Philadelphia was outrageous with, you know, Jones, Reza You could even say, is it McIntosh? Is it yep. – like, theirs was almost like a four-headed monster. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'd go in Georgia, though. What we're seeing from that team, like what we're seeing from Thompson and Jackson, is reminiscent of what they were when they won that championship. But then you throw in Q, who, I mean, you were singing his praises at the start of the year. I just don't know why, not like why more people aren't talking about how well he's been playing this year because Mm -hmm. he has been such a, the fact that he is the, third head of that monster yeah like that's a scary damn monster i don't know that's i guess georgia would maybe be the one that i would point to i mean albany is the the obvious choice probably from points if i had to guess
0: yeah they are
1: but like how long is that going to last i think we can safely say the three down in georgia are going to be putting up numbies all long all season long and
0: let's not forget that you know Audie Stotts, Dane Dobie, and Westberg, those are top three there. Dixon isn't in their top three scoring, but that is a nasty-looking lineup. When Toronto gets Schreiber back in their lineup, you know, Craig Matthew Schreiber is going to be a big trio. But you're right. Simmons, Walker, Kurtz have 85 points combined in their five games. Jackson, Lyle, and Q are 79. But again, those two teams have played five games. Out of the teams that have played four games, Mitch Jones, Joe Reseteris, and Ben McIntosh – have put up 70. Fields, Smith, and Lanchberry in Rochester have put up 66, a lot, the same as Smith, Byrne, and Cloutier. Um, And then of uh, the teams that have played three games, King, Pace, and Cook are at 53, followed by Stats, Doby, and Berg at 52. So there's some interesting trios out there, but again, it just goes to show how deep some of these teams are. Like you said, some of these teams are even four-headed monsters um, when they're fully healthy. So it was just a a numbers thing that I want to look at just um, now that we're, you know, in, into January. Um, if the playoffs started today, Patty, there would be one former Western team in the postseason. It would be sure. Albany at Philadelphia, Toronto at Buffalo, Georgia <laughs> at, or sorry, Albany hosting Philadelphia, Toronto hosting Buffalo, Georgia hosting Halifax and Rochester hosting San Diego. Only San Diego of the former West teams is above five hundred.
1: East Coast bias. Everyone <laughs> just wants to talk about. Well, East all Coast. those people said the
0: unified standings. All they did was
1: help the Eastern teams. Ah oh, man. Well, I, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. If you want me to to throw it a hot take here, yeah. Um, I think that's going to be the case. I really do. I don't think these playoffs are going to stay the same, but who's the one West team outside of San Diego that gives you a whole boatload of confidence that they're going to get in right now? Like besides them. I would them, say like, Calgary. They have a slow see, start. I just, I knew, New coaching I staff. Seen, I haven't seen enough. and they are not, not like right. They, they only played three games. It's just tough to judge that team yep, based on how wacky their schedule has been. Yep. I agree. Um, But, yeah,
0: I just don't – like, Vancouver's in tough. They got to go on a run. Panther City just doesn't seem to have it right now. They would have – Vegas, same thing. Colorado, obviously the injury bug has hurt them. They've struggled. Like, Saskatchewan, Colorado, Vegas, Panther City, City, Vancouver, all one and three to start the season. They have to find some incredible streaks of wins – Put together, if they even have a hope. Um, I, I think Calgary can turn it around. Obviously, San Diego sort of the, the the be all and end all of of those former Western clubs, and everyone kind of always thought that they would be in the playoffs anyway. But it's just crazy to see the disparity um, between the the former divisions in the National Lacrosse League. Um, I know a lot of people have been asking this, and and we amongst um, analysts and broadcasters and and media folk have been asking this as well. What are the tiebreakers when it comes to the National Lacrosse League standings? And obviously, right now, or sorry, obviously at the end of the season, many of the tiebreakers will be broken by head-to-head winning percentages between the two teams. So every team is going to play everybody. We all know that. So automatically, there's your tiebreaker for number one. If the teams that have played twice – have split it. Then obviously you have to go further down the tiebreaker. And I thought the automatic one would, would be gold differential in those two games, but actually gold differential is down the list. So here are the, was that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine tiebreakers that the national lacrosse league will use at the end of the day. And they're using now to create their standings. So first overall, again, Head-to-head winning percentages between the tied teams. Second, winning percentage among common opponents played an equal number of times. So, again, that should be fairly easy. Third, head-to-head goal differential. And there's a note that says, in case of three or more teams being tied, all teams must have played each other in order to apply for this tiebreaker. Again, that'll be something that will be applied at the end of the year once everybody has played everybody. Next, strength of victory. So you take your combined winning percentage of all teams defeated. Uh, multiple uh, Teams defeated multiple times will count the number of times defeated. So combined winning percentage of all the teams they've defeated will go into their strength of victory. Then they take into account strength of schedule, which is the combined winning percentage of all teams competed against. So that will be pretty much everybody else in the league uh league-wide goal differential so there's your overall goal differential comes into play then you go to goals for then you go goals against and if it's somehow somehow is still tied rock paper scissors no it'll be a coin toss to the side (laughs) the tie. i don't think we'll ever get there but again when you look at standing, especially now, since not everybody's played at each other, people are wondering, well, how come you know this team is below this team or this team is below this team? Well, these are your tiebreakers, head-to-head, winning percentage against common opponents, head-to-head goal differential, strength of victory, strength of schedule, league-wide goal differential, goals for goals against coin toss. Is your brain hurting yet?
1: It, it's so insane. And the the like chaos is a latter part of me. wants yeah. to get to get down to a coin? To, could you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine could you get to a point where, you know, uh, like Kurt Stiers and Jamie Dowick have to get <laughs> into a room, and no, they use a an coin, app on a phone, <laughs> a spin wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I mean, based off just going through it, oh how intricate! Like the chances of us. I mean, the chances to even get to like a uh, strength of schedule even seems yeah. very unlikely. Yeah. Right. Never mind the fact that it get down. I mean, I just need to see it happen, but um, it's good. It's good that you got that out there because uh, yeah, a lot of people are kind of wondering like what's going on with the standings here. Like, I don't understand why is this team higher here and there. And you know, uh, again, it's going to kind of play each other. There's a lot of discrepancy in, in games played right now, um, which obviously goes to kind of throw a, a wrench into things, but
0: yeah,
1: um, I think we're going to, I think there's going to be some hot, some tiebreakers. Like, there, there absolutely is going to be some uh, tiebreakers when it comes down to it because the unified standings. Like, they're, yeah. And I I think,
0: I think the tiebreakers are like, again, head to head is an easy one when you've played each other once. It'll be the teams that are playing each other twice if they're tied that, and then if they've split their season series, like Georgia already has, you know, see Colorado makes a, a turnaround here and they end up tied 9-9 nine and nine with Georgia. Well, they lost to Georgia twice, so boom, that's done. It's over. Yeah. But if teams split a series, then you do have to go to the next one and then the next one down. So it'll be the teams that play each other twice that split se- season series. We'll start to see if they end up tied. We'll start to see us go down this list of what the tiebreakers are. So um, thanks to Max Twer over at the league for for setting me straight because I was like, oh, so it's head-to-head then goal differential. He's like, no, gold differentials way down the list. Yeah. I'm like, oh, interesting. So, okay. Um, again, this this really will take into effect a lot of these once the season is over. But so, don't pay too much attention to like. Yeah, obviously, when teams are tied, you want to break things down. But this will all get sorted out in week 21 uh, of the National across League season, um, which is a positive thing because we don't have to hurt our brains.
1: Oh, we uh, gotta stay positive. We got to give them that positive vibes only.
0: All right. Positive vibes for this week, Patty, uh, you are back. It has been a while. I will let you have the floor.
1: My positive vibes. And we kind of already talked about it. It was my big takeaway. Um, is that there are no longer any winless teams in the national lacrosse league. I real, I know I was harping on it a lot about this New York team and, how there need to be changes if, if things aren't turned around. Like, I, after watching that video, um, you know, Dan Latticer handing out the belt and the chain and, and the reaction of those guys, like, you could really get a sense of relief from that group. Like, they weren't, like, popping champagne and and, you know, celebrating hard. Like, yeah. they were, it was more like, Oh, thank God, like, thank God we got that monkey off our back. And, I don't, you know, confidence is, is a contagious thing. Like, it we cannot deny that that offense has a lot of firepower. Over the last couple of years, they've shown it in, in flashes. And Lattice Hoover said it himself the best, that this can't just be a flash in the pan. This has to be the team going forward. And if they can put up 13 to 16 goals a game – and Dunkerley plays like that and their defense is, is sound, they're going to win a lot of lacrosse games or they're going to win a lot more lacrosse games. Do I think they can get back into the postseason? I really don't know. The unified standings are going to be so hard to just jump. And like you said, with these tiebreakers, with head-to-head, these, these losses at the start of the year start to feel a lot heavier. So I don't know. But for me, I'm just happy that because talking to a lot of folks that are I don't want to say average or uh, new lacrosse fans or um, you know just starting to follow the league. The one thing that they've they've been very consistent is the fact that they just love the parity in the league. Yeah, and the fact that with the unified standings, parity, and game by game, be it being a week by week league, is going to be so damn entertaining and i didn't want too many teams at the start of the year to fall out of the race that quickly yeah and that win allows them to at least give themselves some hope that this thing isn't done by week seven yeah um i think it was jumbo who asked it in one of our group chats is there any possibility a sub 500 team makes the playoffs it was a great question, and and of course, our our good friend Evan Sheminar immediately goes to like the mathematical. <laughs> and like, well, technically, it could happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it happens though. I really don't. No. You can throw any numbers. Like, I just think there are too many damn good look lacrosse teams. I think there are going to be a lot of teams hovering around that like five hundred yeah. mark. I just I don't see it like unless like Albany just doesn't lose any games, and Toronto loses a game, and Georgia only loses. T- But I just don't see it. I think we see a lot of like it's parody, man. I just I I have I don't have I can't see it. I really can't. I I, the league's too damn good, man. It's just too damn damn good to happen. Yeah, like what
0: Albany's got thirteen games left for them to be nine and nine. They'd have to be go what four and nine the rest of the way. Like I just don't see it happening. So um, yeah, it could, but the odds. Say no. Uh, my positive vibe this week uh, leads us into our first guest of the week, uh, the goddaughter Mackie Jenner, uh, making her big league TSN debut this weekend. Obviously, you've seen her uh, do lax with TSN before. You've seen her doing the Halifax uh, TSN.ca games uh, this year, and she did it last year as well. Um, but it is just such a, a proud moment for our entire family that she will make uh, her TV debut. Uh, She's going to be great. She's already killing it this year. She's doing so much um, in Halifax. We'll talk about that uh, with her. But she's also doing uh, some Team Nova Scotia women's lacrosse coaching. Um, She's doing some camps out there. She's really, you know, it was a big move for her to move literally coast to coast and go somewhere where she didn't really know anybody, didn't have any family, um, but John Catalano and, and Kurt Stiers and Chuck Ragusa and, and everybody with that organization has welcomed her with open arms and she has just flourished in her role. And uh, there's going to be some tear shed when uh, the Jenners get together and watch that game this weekend. Not because your hair is going to be so magnificent, <laughs> not because we're laughing at John Abbott's joke, but because uh, the eldest grandchild uh, my goddaughter and my number one, my first niece, Mackie Jenner, uh, makes her TSN debut this weekend. And I know you're going to take good care of her. Uh, you guys have worked together before, but um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome moment.
1: She is an absolute superstar already. Um, it was only a matter of time until she got this opportunity. She, you know, obviously, we've been prepping throughout the week, you know different calls and working out some storylines and stuff. And, you know, when she said she's, she's nervous, I told her, I'm like, one, you don't need to be nervous, but I'm never going to tell you not to be nervous because that means it, it matters to you and you care. And I think that's one of the, I mean, there's a lot of great things you can say about Mackie, but the one thing that I think that, you know, you can tell in her work is that she cares. She does so much great research. She, she knows so much about the game. So so much passion for the game. Um, She brings an element that I don't think there's another floor reporter that has the same element, and and that is the fact that the feel for the game, the experience of the game. And I think that's just one of the things that will propel her to some, some many more great things.
0: You will see her on the sidelines of Toronto, Halifax this weekend on TSN. Mackie Jenner joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Making her TSN debut on the big TV. Joining us now on the show, uh, good Victoria girl, Mackie Jenner. What's up, Mack?
2: Hello, hello. Um, You know, just getting through another day of work, getting ready for the game this weekend. Um, Just living life. How are you guys?
0: Uh, We are great. Patty's
2: back from
0: vacation. He's all tanned up. (laughs) <laughs> um, he, he's looking forward to getting back to some chowder on the East coast, but you mm-hmm. wear a few hats with the Halifax Sunbirds. Not only do you do the sideline reporting for the TSN TV and linear games when you get the chance, but mm-hmm. you're also in the office and doing a lot of stuff in the community. What do you do on a daily basis with that group?
2: <laughs> yeah. So my official title is communications manager, but there are definitely a few, Other things that I do. Um, So obviously on the communication side, a lot of PR stuff, communicating with the away team, organizing their practices when they come here, shoot around, player tickets, um, game notes, media guides, all that fun stuff. Um, But something that I've really taken a liking to is that community side. So recently I've kind of taken over our junior Thunderbirds program. Um, So I'm in charge of all of our camps, clinics, Um, We're starting up an academy next week with Clark Peterson. Um, He just moved here. So him and I work very closely um, on all of our youth programming. Um, So we're super excited to kind of get that up and running since it's kind of been gone for a few years. Um, But we're going to be back with that. Um, And then also on the community side, um, a lot of school programming. So we have two different programs we run. One is our sticks for kids program. So we go into the schools um, we supply um, sticks and we bring tennis balls in um, to gyms and take over. We usually spend a full day there and the guys just teach the kids how to play lacrosse, try to start at that grassroots level and really introduce the game to a lot of different school. So we start at elementary, go all the way up to junior high, high school. Um, And then we have a reading program, which is more for the primary kids. Um, So they go in and read um, a story from my big family, which Brendan Bomberry helped write. Um, And so, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun to kind of get out into the community and have the guys at different events. And they really like being here and enjoy the community and Halifax has just welcomed them with open arms. And, you know, the growth of lacrosse here has just been astronomical. So it's really cool to see everyone just like taking it all in stride. Um, so those are off the top of my heads, kind of the, the main things that I do, um, but different things come my way. So I'm just kind of open to whatever they ask. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's... T- Jake Withers, look out here. Do you think he's the jack of all trades for, for the Thunderbirds? <laughs> nope, Mackey's <laughs> taking that title.
2: Yeah, don't tell him that, though, because he might get offended and then try and one-up me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've, we've seen him in the office, actually. We've seen yes. a few of the players sell slinging tickets on the phones. Uh, it's oh, yeah. actually pretty awesome to see, um, you know, the growth of... Uh, the, the community, seeing the guys in the market. I know they're like you mentioned, there's a few guys that are actually in market throughout mm-hmm. the whole year, but um, you're there, you know, it's year two for you. Um, we know that there always has been a buzz around for the Thunderbirds, but it's crazy to think, I, I feel like the buzz has grown even bigger. And in this year, uh, especially early on when normally teams are struggling to get fans through the gate, the last couple of home games have been phenomenal. And, Uh, Is there really uh, even a bigger buzz for this Thunderbirds team uh, on the East coast?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see like this team last year was really their first full season in Halifax because year one was cut short due to COVID year two was um, partially in like Hamilton. So, you know, there hasn't really been a full season of games in Halifax. And so last year was really that first push. Um, you know, to, to create that buzz. Um, and so it was really great to see even throughout the season last year, more and more fans walking through the door, you know, you walk through the streets of Halifax and you'll see people wearing the merchandise. Um, the other day I was driving to the game and the bus driver was wearing a Jersey, you know, you just see (laughs) these things out in the community. They're just really backing it, which makes it so much fun. Um, and yeah, I think the anticipation and excitement this year, um, this this city wants a home playoff game so bad. Um, and I think that it would just like the roof would blow off yeah, <laughs> Scotiabank <I know. laughs> Center <Yeah>. because people <laughs> yeah. are just so amped and excited and it's so fun to see them. Passionate. Like, our fans are so passionate about the game and really trying to have a deeper understanding for how the game works. And, you know, I go out into the community a lot, helping with different camps on my own, too, um with the Thunderbirds and, you know, just by myself. And some of the parents I talk to, you know, they'll be upset about something that happened in the game or a call that they're like, it shouldn't have gone that way. Or, you know, why this happened? Why that happened? And they're really like trying to get a grasp for. Yeah what it's all about and so it's really really nice to see a city that may not have been super familiar with it um just really start to get that lacrosse iq going around and it's it's Mm -hmm. been really really fun to be a part of
1: my favorite thing to go i'm sorry teddy i I was just gonna say my favorite thing to do um win or loss you go to the comment sections on a thunderbirds post and it's Nice try, boys. You'll get them next time. Like, don't worry, oh, yeah. they are back in town, or we'll get them next time we play them on, yeah. you know, February 17th. I don't know if it's because it's still in like the honeymoon phase or if that's just the East Coast hospitality. But when you see the bandits <laughs> lose a game, it's like fire JT. Vino needs to retire. Game <laughs> yeah. can't shoot. It's insane. So I don't know if it's just because it's still new or if that's yeah. just the vibes of the East Coast. I love it. I love it. And uh, you're totally it's right. right a home game in the nest would just do mm-hmm. wonders for this community, for the lacrosse community, for this team. I think it, it's, it's paramount. It happens because again, yeah, I know I joke about the East coast hospitality going to get a little impatient at some point. So capitalizing mm-hmm. on that buzz, I think is massive. And uh, you know, with the unified standings, this is the best opportunity because you're not going to have to play the Buffaloes, the Toronto's in the first round. I mean, you might, um, but if you're, if you're (laughs) getting a top four seeding, you're probably not playing one of those top teams, which has plagued them their first couple of seasons in the league. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, it it is very exciting. And, you know, we definitely do have a lot of support. I will say we do have a few, fans that you know will question some decision making (laughs) but it sometimes it's okay to see some of that because it means that they really do care um on that level of they they want to win um but yes we get so much support and it's it's just so fun it's so fun
0: Um, Let's dip into the team a little bit and to uh, Mm -hmm. quote the great Gattuso, this Halifax team is sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. (laughs) Um, How would you assess this Halifax team four games into the season?
2: Yeah, you know, there's definitely a different vibe um, around the team. And despite their record right now, I don't see that energy or camaraderie really changing. Um, you know, we talked to Mike ahead of, um, last game and, you know, he said they all sat down with the leadership group and there's a lot of veterans on this team. Um, you know, the championship pedigree from those guys that they bring. Um, and, you know, they sat down and talked about their non-negotiables, not just from the coach's perspective, but from the players. And he said, everyone has just really bought into that. And so, You know, being around the team so often and the players, they're all just very excited and they want this championship so bad. Like they want to bring a championship to the city of Halifax. And, you know, I think because we do have so many veterans, they want to do it for them as well. Um, because some of these guys have been in the league for so long and, um, you know, it's getting close to the end of some of their careers and they, they really have the respect, um, for them to, to do it now, obviously, yes, the last two have been interesting, but you know, last year when this kind of happened earlier, middle of the season, they were losing by a lot. Um, it wasn't just one or two goal games. It was four or five, six mm-hmm. goal games. So they're very close. And, you know, in speaking with some of the players, they just have to be ready and mentally prepared to play a full 60 minutes. Um, and so I know that they're eager to get back in that win column. Um and and that's just it. Like the third quarter seems to kind of be our Achilles heel right now. Um, you know, they come out hot every single game, even the games that we've won, um, they come out extremely hot. And then teams kind of tend to play a little bit of catch up. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's when they pull out that win. So um, it's just a matter of, of playing a complete 60 minutes for sure. But they recognize that they've chatted about that. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week for sure for them.
0: One of those veterans um, that's nearing the end of his career is Ryan Benash, and he doesn't seem mm. like he's ending near the end of his career with, with how he's yeah. been playing to start the season. 12 <laughs> goals, 21 points. He has been phenomenal. How have you liked sort of the the emergent – I don't even want well, not an emergency, he's come from nowhere, but Benny taking his game to another level to be the offensive leader of this
2: group? Benny is someone that I – have so much respect for. And he is, you know, it's it's really nice to earn that relationship with the players on a level where they've kind of got the respect for you too. And they ask me about my family, ask how everyone's doing back at home, ask how my Christmas was, you know, like they care on that level too. And seeing him continue to find so much success in this league has been incredible because he it's like 17 years in the league and he just continues to dominate. He says, you know, his, his motivation is truly his family that he's built in the past few years with his wife and, and, and PJ, you know, like they are really what has, has pushed him to get to this point. Um, but he just, he loves it. He says he wouldn't still want to be here if it weren't for, the ownership group, the coaching staff, the players around him. And he said, if anyone had the chance to go inside of the Thunderbirds locker room, they would understand why you wouldn't want to stop playing yet. And it just is really great to see him take some of these younger guys that we've, you know, taken onto the team under their wing. Like he's been rooming with Briley Maxwell, who's on our practice roster. Um, But he's a first year guy out of Alberta. And he said, he remembers waiting in line in Edmonton for Benny's autograph, and now they're roommates on the road. (laughs) And um, he said, you know, I feel like I've annoyed him by asking him so many questions, but Benny's just so (laughs) open. Everyone want to grow. And that's exactly what you want from a leader on your team. Someone that no matter how many years you've played, how long you've been there, where you've been before is just really trying to help you take your game to the next level. And, And I think that that's showed in his game too, because he just always holds himself to a high standard.
1: a guy that has been around this team for a few years, but we're kind of seeing the full potential start to come through is, is Dawson Thied. He's third in goals right. behind Benash and Clark Peterson. Is this just a matter of the, the fact that we're, we're seeing a Dawson Theed focus on just lacrosse? Because if you saw him in the early stages of his career or in junior, you knew this was capable, but he is an right. absolute throwback to a power forward. You had a chance to talk to him. What's, what's he feeling like early on in this, this season?
2: Yeah. You know, he is someone that, like you said, it's, it's definitely that kind of like old school physical style of play. And he just like loves it. He, he even said, he's like, I love mucking it up every so often, you know, like to get to do that for my teammates is great. Like I'm got no fear in doing that, no shame in doing that. And, um, it definitely has to do with being able to focus on just lacrosse, you know, playing two sports at a high level, like college hockey and then professional lacrosse. Like at the same (laughs) time, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. But he was saying today, like, you know, he would have practice three times a week, two to three games a week, and then on the weekends go travel. And, and, you know, he didn't know if he was going to play or not necessarily, but when he did, you know, he was, he was tired, he was exhausted. It's mm-hmm. physically demanding um, to be able to compete at such high levels and not just one sport, but two. Um, and so he said, he's just taking it all in and, and it is really enjoying being able to focus on lacrosse um, and again, be around this team. So it's been really awesome to see him find success because, I'm a big fan of his and his style of play. I think it's really fun, and it's a little bit more unique to what we're used to seeing right now. Um, And it's definitely been a big help to the Thunderbirds offense.
0: Why do you think we haven't seen Cole Kirst in the lineup since the first couple of games? Because I thought he was very effective in what he was doing, um, playing a bit of a transition offensive role for Halifax.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to see. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen um, every game. And I think right now, I mean, we've seen some changes already with, you know, Kalen Mander getting his shot mm-hmm. um, to play last week. Um, so I think it is still early enough in the season that the coaches are kind of just seeing what works and what clicks and who has the best chemistry, what the best potential lineup could be. Um, Cole is someone that just wants to be there. He just wants to get better. Um, and so I think, you know, he's still newer to the box game. Um, and so, you know, some learning curves, but he, I think is going to be a star in this league when he does get his shot. Um, I think they're just trying to find the best recipe for success right now. Um, but I don't think that that's, you know, the last time we'll see him this season. He is big, strong, athletic, fast. Um, He does have a high IQ. He's just still learning that box game. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's a huge locker room guy as well. Just like anyone you talk to, he's like, he is literally the nicest person I've ever met. (laughs) And I've heard 10 people say that Um, he really does just enjoy it and love it and want to take it all in and be a sponge. Um, and so I think he is just kind of going through that right now. But um, again, I think it's not the last that we'll see Cole this season.
1: I think Halifax is a team that even in years past, we've seen them not be afraid to, like you said, try different chemistry, mm-hmm. um, see what works better with three righties. Four. I think to be quite frank, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but... <laughs> I don't know if we they were even really expecting Cole Kearse to make that opening day lineup just due to the fact that Randy Stotts wasn't ready to go and he jumped in and, and looked yeah. so good. So he might have been maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. And again, you said it best like that We're not going to that's not going to be the last uh, that we see of him. Halifax is a lot of depth. And mm-hmm. I think that that's that's a blessing that they have, but at the same yeah. time, it's a curse because you got to try to find ways to get these guys in. Um, switching gears to the bench, mm-hmm. we all know Andrew Suter what he was like mm-hmm. a player, mm-hmm. fierce competitor. Um, you know, a guy that when the team is down or needs a spark, he's not afraid to drop the gloves, throw mm-hmm. a big hit, throw you know, muck it up. What's he like as a coach, though?
2: It's so funny. The first game this season, he was so, so nervous, like so nervous. He couldn't even speak to anyone. Like Charlie was like, (laughs) can you, like, he is in shambles right now. (laughs) Is he okay? And, you know, I had a chance to um, talk to him ahead of the season and and do a feature um, story on him. And he is the definition of commitment and preparedness. He literally he was like, yeah, the week after, you know, I decided I was going to take the job. I rewatched every game from last season three times. And he's like, I just want to know everyone's tendencies. I want to know, you know, areas of improvement. I want to know what went wrong. I want to figure that out. Um, But he's also very much a player's coach. He has the respect of the room. Um, You know, he has this intense energy, but he's also just so open to the feedback of the players and, that like player coach connection is so important um, because, you know, he has the experience of playing in the league for so long that he kind of knows what it's like to go through different coaches and and how he wanted to be as a coach. Um, and so I think it's, it's, you know, been really beneficial for, for the guys. And, you know, this is his first shot at the NLL as a, as a coach. And he, he's, he said that he's still just as nervous um, as he was for game one, but he definitely doesn't look it. So I think that's, (laughs) that's a positive for him, um, for his own, you know, mental, (laughs) mental state, but, um, he's great. He's so excited. He's so energetic. He just loves it so much and wants success for these guys more than anything. And, you know, he was teammates with some of them too. Right. So Mm -hmm. like I talked about earlier, how, you know, these guys have so much respect for the veterans the coaches do too. So um, that just makes all the difference when, you know, you're familiar, but you also have the respect of them and, and they have the respect for you um, to really take it to that next level.
0: Obviously this defense will always be centrally focused on, you know, what Graham Hossack does in the back end and what Jake Weathers is doing, but Ryan Tarafanko continually climbs up that rank as one of the underrated elite D guys, transition guys in our league. He's second on the team in loose balls. Mm-hmm. He's scoring in transition. He, he really is making a difference. This guy just continues to get better and better each and every year. What is it about him and his quick transition to the box game that's made him so successful?
2: He is another guy kind of like Cole in the sense that he's just like a sponge. Like he wants to learn. He's eager to understand the game he is an incredibly hard worker extremely intense like through practices and even just like at shoot around and going through his own individual physio stuff before the game like he is just so committed to his craft and getting better and anyone you talk to about him has said that he's not even close to hitting his ceiling And it's just so true. He just continues to get better and better and better. And, you know, Mike says at one point last year, I think like he could develop to be someone that could stay and play a bit on, on the Mm -hmm. offensive side of the ball. Like he just is so intelligent and able to take everything in and execute it to the nines every time. Um, he's so consistent, which is very helpful in this league to have such consistency, Um, but he's just gritty. Like he just takes everything in and works like he's a workhorse. He will do anything for anyone and, um, whatever you ask him to do, he will, he will work at it. So I think just his work ethic has really, really enabled him to, you know, be a, a star in this league. And I think he's not even close to, you know, his full potential, um, as, as a player.
1: What's the formula to, to beating this Toronto Rock team this weekend? I know it's easier said than done, mm-hmm. um, especially when you look at the changes that they made up front. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, in Toronto or in Ontario, Hamilton, whatever it is, the Rock have their number. Mm-hmm. But inside the nest, the Rock have not been able to figure out this Thunderbirds team.
2: It It's so interesting looking at the history of that and just – like how different it's been because you're right. And like the playoffs included too, like the past (laughs) two seasons, it's been in Ontario and they've come out on top. Um, This Toronto team and typically most of the time rock teams are very fast and very push pace and intense. They shoot a lot, they run the ball and are not afraid to do so. Um, I think one of the things that's, hinders the Thunderbirds a little bit is that reverse transition um you look at the numbers Mm -hmm. and like earlier in the season it was like five goals against five on five and the rest were either in transition power like you know broken plays Mm -hmm. um but to limit their opportunities in transition is huge for the Thunderbirds especially knowing that they do have so many guys that can stay and play or push pace or um you know have great shots off the back end so that's just key. And then just, you know, the offense maintaining composure too. Like, I think sometimes when it gets to that point in the third quarter where, you know, a team starts to creep up or takes a lead, I think they're very like quick to shoot the ball early. I think mm-hmm. they don't really wait until that like hundred percent kind of shot opportunities there. They really, um, it's like an instinctive kind of almost like panic um, very yeah, panicky almost, but um, mm-hmm. I think if they can, you know, maintain composure um, and get through that third quarter because they do typically come out, you know, firing every game um, and just, you know, have trust in in their process as well. Um, I think that they can be able to to pull it off for sure. Like there's not a doubt in my mind they can. It's just, you know, a matter of obviously I can say that, but then to execute it is a different, <laughs> a different story. So, um, but again, like this Toronto team's good, um, you know, everyone kind of knew they would be, they've, yes, they've made changes. Um, but, you know, they seem to have found a pretty good rhythm so far in the season and, um, I think the Thunderbirds are just hungry. And I think that, you know, who wants it more can sometimes be the ultimate factor. And there's been a lot of really close games between these two teams um, in Halifax. So I think we're kind of in for that kind of a vibe. Um, So we'll just have to see what happens.
0: (laughs) You, we talked about, so you're making your your big TSN debut on the big TV. Um, You've gone from just as, as a young girl growing up watching games, you know, watching your dad play. Um, you've been a fan, you did Lax Facts with Mackie over the past couple of seasons. Um, and, and now you're going to be a sideline reporter. Just put into words what this journey has been like and, and what it means to you to, to finally be here.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of incredible. Um, and you know, I'm typically not one to like really like to talk about myself, but it's kind of a moment where you're like, wow, I, I did it or I'm, I'm doing it. Um, I I always think back to when I came with you, Ted, to the finals in mm-hmm. 2019 in Calgary, and I kind of met, you know, the crew um, and met Ashley for the first time. And, you know, to, to have someone like her that's been a mentor and now someone that I can call a friend while still being a mentor, but, you know, now I've kind of earned her respect in a professional setting is so crazy and like surreal to me because I just like think she's the best. And so, um, to kind of get this opportunity and her, you know, reach out, like, do you need anything? Like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. Um, it's just so cool. Um, because she was definitely like a role model that you guys introduced me to and, you know, will always be that for me. But, you know, now it's like, I get the chance to kind of get to do the same thing that I watched her do and thought was the coolest thing ever. Um, I'm just, you know, I played for so long and my playing career didn't necessarily work out for me. I hated lacrosse for a good amount of time after I was done playing. Um, And, you know, through different opportunities, learning to have an appreciation and a love for the game again in a different light has been so helpful for me. And so now getting to talk about the sport that's really gotten me through a lot of things in my life um, is just its so surreal. Like, I, I don't even know if I could put it into words um, because it's just like it's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Are you nervous? I am very nervous, but I, I get nervous for everything. Um, <laughs> I just am that type of person. I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, but going from last year to this year, like I just have, I've learned to have more fun with it because that's what it's about. Right. Like I talked about my passion for the game and being able to demonstrate that through my work is something that I've really kind of tried to put more to the forefront. Um, because it is fun. Like you get to talk about something that you, you like to do and you like to watch. Um, and so I think that mindset of, enjoying it rather than like, Oh my God, this is insane. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like what if I mess up miserably and fail or trip and fall or something? <laughs> like who knows <laughs> what, um, <but laughs> um, having that kind of mindset has, has helped ease my nerves a little bit. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely very excited.
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned Ashley and I know you were a big fan of Devin and what yeah. her work was doing. I remember, you know, introducing to Kayla Spees in, in oh, Calgary yeah. Um, but all, all the, the women of the National Cross League that are doing this job are doing incredible service for our league. It's incredible to have you part of our fraternity, but it's probably an even cooler fraternity to be um, one of the ladies in a very male-dominated league. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the next little girl that will be watching and has dreams of doing something like this?
2: I think just knowing that it's possible. And like, you do have the support of, of women around you to kind of help you to that next level. Like I remember Ashley telling me, you know, when she was going through her process, she didn't really have someone like she is to me to go through that. And Mm -hmm. so I always encourage anyone that I talk to male or female that, you know, a couple of my brother and sister's friends, um, are in like sport management or communications in college and have asked to interview me, um, for their classes. And I've always said, like, take my number and message me whenever you need it about anything, because having resources like you guys and Ashley and Devin and Kayla and all of them that I've utilized, um, throughout, you know, my kind of journey has been a game changer. And so, um, just leaning on those people that will support you no matter what is so important. And, Um, you know, you can watch yourself kind of go through this amazing process and meet amazing people along the way. Um, but just knowing that it is possible to kind of get to this point, um, you know, any, anything is possible right now. And I think that that's incredible for women everywhere. We see so much amazing things happening for women in sports, whether it's playing, um, with, you know, the PWHL or, you know, women's basketball or women's volleyball in the States. Um, it's just, it's, it's never ending and we're on the right track. Um, and so it's only up for here. So that next generation is very lucky to have so many amazing women in all over sports, working in sports, playing in sports to, to really lean on and look up to.
0: Well, I can't say enough how proud I am of you and I will never forget that trip to Calgary mm-hmm. and how giddy you were and happy you were just to be around and oh, yeah. taking it on your own and going to sit down in the production room and walking the catwalk and just talking <laughs> to people and and now you uh, are going to be on the big screen. I know everybody back here is going to be watching. I know all of Canada will be watching and your family in the States will be watching. Um Bring the energy as Joel Feld always says, have the most fun. Uh, I love you kid. And uh, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game and uh, we'll catch up soon.
2: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much.
0: All right. There's Mackie. And uh, again, just super thrilled that she's getting this opportunity, but listen to her talk about this team. And and obviously she's around that team even more than you are. Um it's interesting to to hear that there's still obviously still that belief and the buy in, um, but the the non negotiables that Mike Kersey talks about is something this team really needs to take into account. And we talked about how you know the last couple of games they've had leads late and let them slip, and that's not what you usually see from a championship team. And this team needs to to buy in. Um, they, they're definitely going to have to work on that reverse transition against Toronto because that has really been one of their Achilles heels. So how do you, how does this Halifax team, as we step into our week seven preview,
1: how does this Halifax team slow down the vaunted Toronto transition game? I think they got to be not afraid to muck this thing up and slow it down. Even though this Halifax team has played a lot faster this year, I think it's got to be more of a, you know, split the floor in, in two ends when you're, you know, you're playing transition or sorry, when you're playing defense, you got to still play fast because uh, Mackie said it, man, this team is not afraid to shoot early in the clock. Um, you look at yeah. the numbers of, of Mark Matthews and, and Chris Boushey, both of them are shooting the ball more this early in the career than they ever have. Uh, Dan Craig, we saw him looking like he's in mid season forum last game. Um, so they have to play. They they can't sit sit back and pack it in, and allow Warren Hill to, to to rely on the outside shot. Because let's be honest, the the Warren Hill that we saw in Game One and Game Two is a completely different Warren Hill that we saw in Game Three and Game Four, especially Game Three. Philadelphia realized that they had Warren's number from the outside Ooh. and. I thought he played a little bit better against Albany, but there were still a couple of those saves that I think he probably would want back from an offensive standpoint, though. Again, take your chances when you can fire the ball, share it on both sides, East West ball movement, but don't be afraid to sacrifice a little offense late in the shot clock. If there's nothing there, bench side, start peeling to the bench. Guy like Clark Peterson. Green light to stay and play on defense. Maybe you see a guy like Jake Withers or a guy like uh, Ryan Tarafanko go out the O-door and go back in reverse Mm. transition a little bit as well. I think we're going to see a lot of guys playing in a lot of different sides of the ball to try to combat that transition. But as Mackie said, Toronto is 0-3 inside the nest. But when they play in Ontario, they run Halifax out of the building. And they know that. So they said, like, we're talking to Matt sorry, he said we just have to bring that same game, that same intensity inside the nest. Because if you look at it too, Toronto's just had really slow starts and finally figured it out near the end of the game. And then time runs out. They're not able to muster a, a, up a comeback. So I think a hot start and just playing that, in-your-face, fast Toronto Rock style of play is the recipe for them to win. And this is this is, this is the beauty of lacrosse, man. This is why the teams that usually end up winning are the teams that are able to play different styles of lacrosse. Can Toronto, like if, if, if Halifax wants to bring it into the mud and muck it up, can Toronto do that or do they need to play fast? This is why this game is, is so great. This is why these coaches are just, you know, so talented and 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 so smart because they're the ones that are gonna to have to bring this game plan up. And I'm really looking forward to this. This this reminds me a lot of a chess match here. Um, in
0: your talks with Matt Sawyer, did he give any inclination that we could see Tom Schreiber back this
1: weekend? He gave us next to nothing. <laughs> um nothing at all. Um, but they were, you know, they were transparent in saying that. They're not trying to rush him back. Yeah, um, th- They're actually kind of happy that their schedule has been so weird that they've only played three games by this time of the year because in years past, Schreiber and Corbeil might have missed five games by this yeah. point, right? So they're just making sure he's healthy. They really think that he hasn't f- actually played healthy in the last year and a half between the outdoor game and the box game. So they're just – they're okay. They're okay with sitting them out. They're 3-0. They feel like they haven't played their best lacrosse yet. They feel like the offense still needs to find their groove and their chemistry. Um, but they would much rather have Tom Schreiber miss three, four, five games, six games maybe even, and, and have him fully healthy mm-hmm. because we haven't – like we've seen a banged up Tom Schreiber. We yeah. haven't seen a fully – what the hell can a fully <laughs> Tom Schreiber do?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're 3-0 and without Schreiber, and Corbs hasn't played a game yet either. Right. don't like, need to rush it, right? No. And, and Nick and- Rose is just playing absolutely out of his mind right now. Literally the best, maybe the best we've seen Rosie play. 8.3 goals against, an 82.9 save percentage. Just unbelievable stuff from the big man between the pipes. So that is game one, and it is the TSN game of the week. Is that a 7.30 Halifax start
1: or 7? It's a 7.30 start in Halifax, a 6.30 start on the East Coast. and No, no. and Whatever. Oh, sorry, 6.30 <laughs> in Ontario. Eastern, <laughs> Eastern time zone. I know. I know what you mean. Eastern, and then that Eastern means,
0: time zone. Quick math, 3.30. For, I got a 3.30 TSN game on a Friday, and that rolls right into San Diego at Vegas. San Diego, the first team this season, I believe – to play a double header. They're in Vegas on Friday. They got to go to Colorado on Saturday. So we'll probably see some different guys get in, but I, I think we need to talk about, we talked a little bit about this with, with Mitch last week, but Chris area is looking more and more confident each and every time out. And I don't know if it's, you know, if it's just getting the consistent, trust in his coach that he's going to be the number one guy. He's not worried about pooling, you know, stealing starts from him if he has a bad game here and there, but he looks confident. He looks composed. Um, if he continues this play, this San Diego team really is going to rock it up. The standings having only played three games and, and Curtis Dixon hasn't gotten off to a blazing start, but I, I don't think we need to underplay the fact that Kyle Rubish has been phenomenal.
1: I, I think a big part is the defense in, in front mm. of him at, like giving up the shots that he wants to see. And yeah. I don't want to take away from young Chris O'Reagliari because what he's doing at such a a young age in his early in his career is quite remarkable. But the, I mean, the defense you mentioned, Rubish has been so good. Um, I just, I just feel like this, this is the best defense that we've seen from San Diego and, and maybe since the team yeah. was constructed And that goes a long way when, when you have a a confidence defense in front of a goalie, it's going to give you confidence. But with that being said, um, the defense needs to have confidence in the goalie. Bless you. The defense needs to have, bless you again. The defense needs to have confidence in the goaltender uh, to play free, to play the way that they want to play. And so it's a two way street. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with San Diego, but man, on the flip side, Teddy, I feel like it's weight, like again, it's it's going up a team that you could argue is like punching above your weight, but this has to be. I don't, I don't think you can call it a must win for Vegas. It's so lame to say, it, but like a we're must, starting to get there. Like a must compete. Like is yeah, this, they got to show that they've got some fight here, and then they're, they're not just get the doors blown off them, right? Yeah. oh 100 percent.
0: I I think you know it, it's how I feel about Panther City. We just you know with their. Coaching staff, you know that both Willie and TK expect everybody to give 110% and to go above and beyond and to work your ass off for every inch of turf. I think both of those clubs, and Vegas especially, because, you know, they were what, 0.3 seconds away from losing that game in Panther City. They need to really show up and put a concerted effort or I, I could see Willie making some changes because, you know, Kells hasn't looked great. Um, Watson, when he's come in has been, you know, okay for the big rig. He's only given up five and 23 minutes. They need Kells to be better. They, they put a lot of weight on that young man's shoulders. He's just not seeing the ball well for me right now. I know they like a little bit more from Dylan Watson, um jack hannah is starting to get his feet going again uh, in his second year but still only three goals i think casey jackson's been really their their biggest bright spot um for their team this year so this is a club that has to have a massive massive effort at home it's whiteout night um you know it's the joe seibel so it'll be interesting to see you know how that fires up this Vegas squad because, you know, there's some inter club beef there just because of the, the relationship that the two clubs have. But I, I just think this could be a very, very long night for Vegas because, you know, we talk about how good the San Diego team, like we didn't even bring up Trey Leclerc's name. And that guy is just having an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal season for the seals right now. You know, he started his career out the back door. Um Now he's kind of, their number three right hander, so man, th- this is a team that uh, is doing everything right for San Diego right now, but Vegas Vegas needs to be a whole lot better. Did I lose you? Did
1: we go full freeze. Uh, I think oh. I got you back now. There you, go. I, I got you. you did freeze. I mean, your face. Everything is froze, himself. but I was still talking, right? I can yeah, I can still hear you now. Yeah, I just,
0: oh, my computer whole screen just went white. Oh, 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 oh. you got me. Are we still going? Uh, yeah, now I got you. Let's hope. Let's hope that didn't delete everything. <laughs> Uh, where are we here? Come on. Um, all right.
1: Still says it's recording. So
0: yeah, um, third game of the week. So those are the first two games on Friday: Toronto at Halifax, San Diego at Vegas, and then we move to some incredibly, incredibly juicy matchups on Saturday: Buffalo, Rochester, the Pagula Bowl. So we got the Cy Bowl on Friday night. <laughs> we get the Pagula Bowl on Saturday. The I ninety battle. Um, there's going to be a massive bandit crowd in Rochester as there always is. Um, but you know, this is a different Rochester team, um, playing out of their minds. Obviously the, the injury to Hartley has left them scrambling. Um, they went and got Doug Buckin from Buffalo, uh, just as a fail safe because not really, we don't really know how Kevin Orleman is doing right now. Um, But Buffalo is starting to find their stride. So this is a huge test for this
1: Nighthawk squad. It's massive. And and this obviously is a game. Last year, we saw Rochester beat the Bandits. But then when it mattered the most, um, the Bandits absolutely laughed Rochester out of the building. Um, That was when I think... We started to think, okay, yeah, this, this, maybe this year is different for the bandits. And uh, maybe, maybe, you know, this is a great story for Rochester, but they're not quite ready yet. And I think this team's going to remember that feeling. I know they've got yeah. some new faces, but I mean, arguably, they're, they're, their biggest two guys in Fields and Smith. They remember it. They were there. They know how much that sucked. Um, so they're, they're going to remember that. And I think that this is a game that, Normally, if you had a healthy Hartley and I mean, even if even the way that they played last, I think this is a game where normally when you go play, play the bandits, you don't want to get into a run and gun matchup. But the way that this team's DNA has been molded, I think it's like Field, Smith, Lanchbury Waters, McCau- like go out there and just ball boys. Like, yeah. let's let's try to just go toe to toe with the bandits Last goal wins, next goal wins. And, and let's allow, you know, let's, let's allow our studs on the back end, like Gil Rand, Reese, like let's, let's go the, those guys to start running yeah. too. The, the fact that if you think you're going to be able to contain that, that bandits defense with what's going on in between the pipes and really with what's going on with the defense, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I think you just say, Hey, we're in each other's backyards, basically, yeah. from a geography standpoint. Let's play old old school backyard lacrosse.
0: Yeah. Um, Adam Levy had, uh, on his Lacrosse Matrix podcast, had Riley Hutchcraft, on, Riley Hutchcraft on, just talking about him sort of becoming an everyday guy now due to the injuries. Um, so if you want to go listen to that, go check out, uh, Adam's podcast, Lacrosse Matrix. But for the Buffalo Bandits, you know, they had, um, why can't I think of the guy's name that played for Macaulay last week? And Emerson Clark played for Macaulay yeah. last week. Macaulay was a bit banged up. McCauley got in this past weekend, dropped three, his best game of the season. So, you know, they're starting to round out. They're starting to get healthy again. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see how this Buffalo team shows up. I think, I think they're getting their mojo back. I think there was – we don't need to call it a championship hangover. You can maybe that first game, but they, they've always played Albany bad in Albany. But now they're they're starting to roll again. Um, and I think this is a scary thing. If they can go into Rochester and put a beating on Rochester and poor Riley Hutchcraft gets absolutely lit up, then I think people need to start waking up to the fact that Buffalo is going to be just fine.
1: Um, on that note – Next game. What's sorry, happening? before that, yeah, on that yeah. note um nll.com or laxmetrics metrics whatever you mm-hmm. want to I uh, headed to see cooper Perkins um his report this week talking about and it's crazy I think the 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 tweet itself was like don't sleep on the band it's first yeah. off who the hell is sleeping on the band? <laughs> yeah but no uh Cooper is basically saying like yeah they're two and two yeah like okay maybe a little bit of a hangover they're starting to heat up but the, the metrics would actually say that they have actually been playing pretty good. They just yeah. haven't been bearing on their chances. So uh, take a look at that. Watch the video if, if your your brain can't handle too many of the numbers like myself. He does a great job breaking it down. Read the article um, and, and check it out. Really, really cool um, breakdown to realize that maybe the Bandits aren't playing so bad after yeah. all. Yeah, I, it's.
0: I completely agree. They just... You know they they what they lose by a goal to Albany. Um, they, that, they beat that loss ain't that loss ain't looking so bad after all, is it? <laughs> no, you no, everyone's losing to Albany right now. They they squeak one out uh, against San Diego. Uh, they they put a good game against Colorado this past weekend. So yeah, I, I think the Buffalo Bandits are going to be just fine. Uh, Saskatchewan at Philadelphia. Um, Ben McIntosh and Bubba going up against their former squad from a few years ago. Uh, Frank Giuliano probably played his best game of the season last weekend. Um, and And truly, he hasn't, you know, this is early season Frank. You know, his numbers are, other than that first game against Halifax, his numbers are really good. And I thought that was, you know, in that game against Albany, that fourth quarter, he allowed his team the opportunity to get back into that game. And if Frank can do that against this Philadelphia squad, I think Sask has a chance. But, you know, Philadelphia, as you mentioned earlier, has this ability to go off for 16, 17 or the complete opposite and only get six. So I think this is a a, obviously a huge game for both clubs, but uh, a litmus test for where Saskatchewan can get to and, and if Philadelphia is real.
1: Yeah, this is a big game for both. Like I, I, it, it, we always say like all unified standings means a lot more. But I, I do believe that these are each team is actually looking at each other in the standings, or you know, looking at the roster and saying like we should beat this team. You mm-hmm. know, Philly's saying this locker, we we should beat this team. We we gotta beat this team. Whereas vice versa, the other guys are looking down the hall and saying like this is a a, a win that we should get. And um, I think if either team think that they are playoff teams. This is one where at the end of the season, if they are missing the playoffs, they're going to look down and say, well, this one here, we should have won. And, uh, you know, it's a big prove it point for, for both. Um, I thought Saskatchewan's made some really good strides. I felt especially, you know, losing to Albany at home in in, in that heartbreaking fashion definitely was tough, but I think that they showed that um, they're a team that's, maybe is finding their stride a little earlier than some expected. Um, And if Frank Ciliano can put that full performance together, like we saw laid down the stretch for a full game, Um, they're going to be able to come up on top. The other, other thing with Philly is like, okay, Reardon's back. Katoni's back. They still lost. They only put up yeah. nine points. How healthy were those guys really? Were they, were, were they forced back? I hope not. Yeah. Um, but Philly's a team. Uh, they're up and down. When, yep. when they disappoint, they come back with a bounce back victory. Uh, and then when they come with that bounce back victory, usually a disappointing loss follows it. So they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, a battle of one and three
0: teams on Long Island, Panther City taking on the Riptide. Uh, I have a feeling that this is a game that New York can and will win. But it is. I think this is going to be an absolute slugfest between these two clubs.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think for for Panther City, like this is a game that they need to figure out. And I know it's 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 still relatively early in the season, but I just feel like they don't have an identity. Like I feel yeah. like in years past, they're the plucky underdog. They're the the the, the team that no one believes in. Led by a great coaching staff, they got some young pieces up front. They got you know a legend and Callum Crawford and a defense with not a lot of big names, but just defense that's in your face. And and Nick who has been you know really solid uh, up until last game. But for oh, his gosh. most of his career, he's been a you know great promising goalie. The narrative's kind of changed. Like, you can't always be oh we're we're the we're the young plucky under. Like, yeah, it's kind of got to grow out of that. And I think they have grown out of that, but they don't know what else they are. They in their locker room believe like they're like okay, it's like they believe that, but do they really believe that? Like it just to me, it feels like there's a lot of uncertainty. Maybe not necessarily in the locker room, but like they just don't have an identity to me. Mm -hmm. You don't. I don't know what are they an offensive team that can fill the net? Um, Are they a a team that can lock it down with Daymude in that defense? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if they know what they are. Maybe this is a game where they find their identity and it starts to come together. And we see a little more of of what a lot of people were expecting them to take that next step. But then on the flip side, I think there was a lot of people, including myself, that thought maybe they would regress a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're kind of looking like that right now For, for New York. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, let's just say, you know, they, they have that
0: opening weekend win against Vancouver and everything was all right in the world and, and they were playing excellent. And then they lose that game to Vegas. And then, you know, even this past weekend, the game against Georgia, a slow start, slowly were able to claw their way back into it. But then the last few minutes of the game, they just kind of lost it again. Yeah. Um, they are like a few other teams, New York, Vancouver. Um, they got to find a way to be able to play – 60 minutes yeah it's not a 58 minute league you have to be able to compete from first whistle to last whistle and and they've just haven't you know again outside of that vancouver game haven't been able to start on time and it's cost them because they have the ability like you said to fill the net and they have the ability to go on runs like when you have callum out there like (laughs) sometimes he is just unstoppable and you can you know, compound that with you know getting Will Malcolm going and getting the goat going and Ryan Sheridan banging and crashing and Knox being a big moose out there shooting from the outside like they want him to do, but I don't think anybody can be happy in that locker room with the way they've played in their last three games um, after the start that they had. So I, I think they need to to really figure it out and find a way to start on time because New York, you know New York is going to have confidence off that win against Philadelphia and they're going to be ready to go and. You know, two weeks ago in Toronto or in Hamilton, you could see the frustration on Jeff Teat as that game went on. You could hear it every time he <laughs> shot missing net. Like the on-floor mics were picking up his, dis- his discouragement with how he was playing and how the team was playing. And you could see it in their body language. Um, that was a different-looking New York team. And if they can bring that mojo against Panther City, I think they're going to be fine. But, again, this is two teams that got to find a way to start on time Get good goaltending and play sixty minutes. Uh, maybe okay. There's there's definitely there's some we talk, there's some juicy matchups this weekend. Albany at Georgia, five and zero versus four and one, a clash of titans here in week seven. You know Buffalo Rochester will be a great game. The TSN game Toronto Halifax will be a great game. But this is a game that I don't think a lot of people thought at the start of the season was going to be a collision of titans. But here we are. And I cannot wait to watch this game.
1: This is like, yeah, at the start of the year, he said week seven, mark on your calendars, it's going to be Albany at Georgia. That's going to be the best game of the week. Would have given you the the dirtiest of looks and the most confused (laughs) looks. But here we are. You said it best. And that is it. This is the game that I think, including myself, are, are saying, all right, this is it. Albany is going to lose George has been a hot Dobson's been playing great You know the big three on offense Has been been great The defense for George has been great And it's just now about time For these shooters for Albany To kind of cool off Now it's making me think Like if everyone's thinking This is the game that they're going to lose Maybe they're not done yet I don't know yeah. I'm gallanting, braining myself I think it's going to be a really entertaining game I think that the athleticism that Albany has on offense is going to go great, and, and just be a, a, an entertaining game against the athleticism that Georgia has on their back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like the sneakiest, biggest under, like under uh, underlying story, and I think it should be at the forefront is you're looking at the. F- potentially the future of goaltending going toe-to-toe in yeah. this game with Dobson against Jamison. Like I, this, this is by far the game of the week. It's crazy to say, but it well, is the and, game and, of the week. and we
0: talked about it earlier in the show. You have the, the two best sort of trios offensively producing when you get Simmons, Walker and Kurtz going up against Jackson Thompson and Q. Like it, you could have a little bit of everything you could have, a 15-14 game where both goalies are making 50-plus saves. It is, it is going to be a crazy, crazy matchup. I think you got to give the edge to Albany with Nards at the dot, winning some extra possessions. But those both these defenses are physical and young. Push the tempo. Um, it, it is going to be a wild, wild contest down there. In the heart of Georgia at Gas South Arena. Um, unfortunately, for all of us that are going to be having to watch from home on Saturday, you got two four o'clock starts and then two four thirty starts. So make sure all of your iPads, laptops, Kindles, tablets, everything um, are all charged and plugged in because you're going to be going multi-screen a lot on Saturday night. Uh, then we go out west a little bit, San Diego. At Colorado, we all know the history between these two clubs. We all know how incredible the games they play are between these two clubs. Um, Obviously, San Diego will be traveling from Vegas, whether it's right after the game or the night before or the next morning. We're not sure. But another juicy matchup on Saturday. But this Colorado team, again, they got to find a way to get a, a good start from Dylan Ward. Their offense has to be clicking right off the hop. You know, they got to get Connor Robinson and Eli and and um, Zed going because if they have a slow start and, and the Seals can build off the momentum from the night before, it could be a tough one. But I, like I said earlier, I think Dylan Ward looked a lot healthier and a lot more comfortable last weekend. Still not 100% in my opinion. But he is getting better, and this is just going to be another one of those great matchups that you're going to come down to the wire if you get a tired San Diego team running out of gas late.
1: This is a must-win for Colorado, straight up. Like I don't care if it's San Diego, who should be you know a top, let's say three team by the end of the season. Like it's it's a must-win. You can you you can't drop this one. San Diego coming off a of back-to-back. You've already dropped a lot of games. Um, that you probably feel like you sh- you should have won. Dylan Ward, like you said, looking a little more healthy. The offense still not where it needs to be, but this is this is where you turn your season around. Because if you don't, at this point, I don't know when you will. And and by the time you do turn around, it's probably gonna, going to be too late. This group, in years past, has showed that they have the resiliency, that they have the buy-in from the coaching staff all the way trickling down through that roster that they can do it and that they can turn things around. Just unfortunately for, for them, it's going to be a, a more difficult path to the playoffs yeah. than in years past because of the unified standings. They can't just sleepwalk through the regular season anymore. So I think the turning point in the season starts on Saturday night against – I know it's a good San Diego team, but it's a team that is going to be coming off you know, a game already and a team that in, in the playoffs – You've got their number. You know you can beat this team. You mm-hmm. know you can do it. So the belief's got to be there, and I think they have it. Um, I'm just quickly
0: checking. Since they've come into the league, they are 8-3 and three against Colorado in the regular season. So. That's it's, But when it matters the most. <laughs> but when it matters the most in the playoffs, uh, they are 1-3 and three against Colorado. So...
1: Just pretend it's a just pretend it's yes, a playoff. It's a playoff <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and for Colorado, it, it will be because a loss here drops them to one and four, um, and that will be a steep hill to climb. The final game of the weekend, and as much as I'm looking forward to Albany, Georgia, Buffalo Ross, Toronto, Halifax, Calgary at Vancouver. Kurt Miloski going up against his former team. Josh Sanderson coaching Kurt Miloski's former team. Um, there was a bit of heat in the preseason between these two clubs. Um, obviously, there's going to be a massive crowd because whenever Calgary comes, that team being a majority BC based club, they're going to have a lot of fans in support. Um, a one and two versus a one and three team, two clubs that have playoff ambitions. This is going to be a slugfest. I do not expect anybody to be healthy. After
1: this game, yeah, I think when you look at—I know I just said the Albany and the um, Georgia game is the game of the week. If we're going up based off storylines, yeah, this is this is the game of the week, and uh, I mean I'm very much looking forward to Mouse's first game back in the saddleville. But this is still going to be a—it doesn't uh, happen really, this year. I know this is the only is, time they play all year which is insane to me, which is insane to me. Um, so this is going to be the closest thing, but plus it's the first time he's going up against his former team, you know, that he's put blood, sweat and tears as a player, as a coach, and it's going to mean a lot. It's going to be an emotional night for him. Um, but anytime these two teams play, there's, you know, there's bad blood. Um, it's an important game for both teams that if you ask both of them in their locker rooms, they probably say they haven't played their to nearly where they should. And again, um, Probably at this point in the year, based off their records, they're probably going to be either battling for a playoff position together or at least playoff seating. So, when you talk, and you mentioned it, only once they play together. So, this could be massive in the tiebreaking. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. I, yeah. It's going to be a huge game. It's, it's
0: a, a very, you know, I, I haven't watched Calgary closely enough to see if Josh Sanderson um, and Troy Cordingly have really, evolved that offense but we really could see two offenses that are very similar in structure um personnel wise obviously very different um production wise can be very different but you know kevin crowley had five in vancouver's last game out they've had a week off to think about the debacle that happened down in colorado (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what so uh, what are you doing over there, man? Just pulling up some I TikToks?
1: No, I, I don't even know what happened. I was trying to pull <laughs> something else up and somehow TikTok came up.
0: <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it, it It will be very kind of mirror-esque to watch those two offenses because unless, you know, Troy Cordley and Josh Sanderson really reinvented the wheel with that group, which I don't think they did, um, it is still a very mouse – constructed offense um so it'll be it it'll be a, a heck of a lacrosse game between these two clubs again we mentioned in in years past um they they do not like playing against each other they they battle against each other um for every inch of turf so this is just another one of those incredible matchups that we have on tap for you in week seven it all starts friday 7.30 Atlantic time on TSN. Pac Gregoire, John Abbott, Mackie Jenner, uh, the 3-0 Rock versus the 2-2 Halifax Thunderbirds. Then we get San Diego at Vegas to cap off Friday night. Saturday, Buffalo at Rochester, I-90 battle, Saskatchewan at Philadelphia, Panther City at New York, the Battle of 2-1-3 and three clubs, Albany at Georgia, the two teams Two of the three teams at the top of the mountain right now going toe-to-toe. Then San Diego, Colorado, and Calgary at Vancouver. Those are your games for week seven. I hope you enjoy every single one of them because I and Pat most definitely will. All right, Pat, you uh, you got a Jersey journey for me. You didn't get to it last week because you were on vacation. I decided to keep the rotation going. So, um, again, this is all just kind of spurred on by the immaculate grid that Graham Pero does over on NLLstats.com. We find a player that has played in the NLL since the 2000s. We give you their teams and their journey, and we have to figure out who that player is. Go right
1: ahead, sir. All right. This player's jersey journey began in Rochester for two seasons. It's me. I went through a- <laughs> – No. No. <laughs> Anaheim for me, two seasons. No, (laughs) No. two seasons. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, New York for three. Orlando for one. Boston for one. Rochester for half a season. And then Colorado. For their final season. You know,
0: you, whenever you do an Anaheim guy, it's just too easy for me. <laughs> is this the former record holder of most points by an American in the National Lacrosse League, Casey Powell?
1: It is numero due on the list, uh, <laughs> Casey Powell, number 22 in number your 22. program. You were one in Colorado at the end of his career, I believe. Oh, that's right. He did. Of course, he did wear number one. I forgot about that. But, uh Yes, I in for timing purposes, it would have worked, it would have been last better last
0: week. week. Yeah, I got you,
1: I got but you. uh, I mean, hey, still pretty cool. Um, you know, he was on the the broadcast, uh, yeah, on, uh, on Saturday night, taking got a picture with, with the still. legend Adam Levy, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, no, it's great to see him still involved with the getting more involved with the NLL. I know he's playing a big role. Um, once the arm boxed, uh, mm-hmm unroll you know starts rolling out more as well um cool little video that the nll put out uh him congratulating uh joe rezatera friend of the program of uh of him breaking his own record and i just figured it was uh it would be fitting to have him too bad mm-hmm. i went on vacation and took so i'm <laughs> didn't, honestly didn't i'm tell anybody. You talked you you uh I'm, I'm pretty shocked uh you even invited me back i'll, I'll be honest i listened <laughs> to the pod on uh was it either on my way back? Yeah, it would have been my way back. Um, or it was some point. doesn't matter what it was. But I listened. And uh, that damn Mitch Belial, man, he's good. He is damn good. He he knows his stuff. He's so calm, cool, and collected. Um, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, yeah. And anytime he calls a game, man, I uh, full volume, uh, I'll, I'll listen to that game because he he just sees the game so
0: well. Yeah, he's 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 awesome. Um, I've always been a fan of Mitch, even before the hit uh, heard around the world. Um, and he's just done a, a phenomenal job, um, kind of moving into the broadcaster's chair. Um, he spent some time with Casey Powell in Boston uh, and Orlando, I think. Um, so he's very familiar with CP Twenty Two. Was a teammate of mine in that first year in Anaheim, where we went to historic one and fifteen. Um, but he's just uh, an absolute legend. I love Casey Powell. Uh, I was always a fan of his anyway. Um, yeah, I think he said during the broadcast he usually does like one, uh, one of these a year with Glash, uh, and they get the full Syracuse Orangeman trifecta with those two and, and Ashley between the benches. Um, they do an incredible job. Uh, I thought it was a, a great broadcast. But yeah, I think getting Casey Powell uh, to be a part of – broadcast, the unbox series, more involved in the growth and uh, the grassroots of the NLL, especially in the U.S., uh, is absolutely massive. Um, just a, a legend uh, in the world of lacrosse uh, and a guy that we can call a friend. He's been on our show a couple times and we've chatted. Um, great to see him still doing the thing and obviously uh, his speed lacrosse. Uh, continues to, to make waves down there in Florida. So Casey Powell, one of the legends, and he was our NLL Jersey journey this week. We missed the parlay by one game. The week before, it was by one goal. We got to get right, and we're going to try this week.
2: Time now for box bets. your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Hey, we're having a good day,
1: lads. And we're still in the mix, (laughs) baby. All right,
0: we uh, let our fans do the choosing as always. Uh, And this week, we've got another one where we've got some overs, we got some spreads, and we hopefully, fingers crossed, have a winner because last week we had Albany, Buffalo, and Philadelphia all on the money line and who would have thought it was the wings that were going to let us down? So
1: we're going to fade them this weekend uh, with our new parlay. This is a good one. I feel like I say this every time we build the parlay, but this is a good one. Uh, we start things off Friday night, the nightcap, uh, San Diego, Las Vegas, the bowl, over 23 and a half. Uh, next up, Georgia. Minus one and a half to dethrone the undefeated Albany Firewolves and to win by two or more. Vancouver, we talked about a lot on the line in that one. We don't need them to win. We just need them to cover the spread. Vancouver, plus one and a half. And last, but certainly not least, the New York Riptide. Stay hot. Well, you can win if you want, but we just ask <laughs> if you cover the one and a half. You put all those together just as a normal better just, you know, going on to your local sports book. It's going to come to about, you know, 1160 or at least that's what it's going to come to at Coolbet. But because the fine folks at cool Betters at Coolbet, they love the OTCB park parlay. They love the folks that listen. They love the people who support they're giving us a boosted number at plus 12.8. Oh. Wow.
0: Swinging for the fences this one, Teddy. And that's not even like me in a swing of the fences because I wanted no. to do all, all the favorites. <laughs> yeah. I wanted all six favorites at seven favorites to win and it was like plus 3,000 or something ridiculous. <laughs> and then just for the experiment, I said, well, what do all the underdogs do? <laughs> that was a number that Cool Bet wouldn't even let me think about much further than uh, me typing into my screen. Uh, the favorites to win were all – if all favorites were to win, it was plus 4,613. If all the underdogs were to win, it was plus 105,142. <laughs> hey. Teddy, swing. swing, do it all you want. Swing no, away. technically I can't,
1: Pat. I'm not allowed. If someone else wants to <laughs> yeah. swing for the fences, yes, you can do that. But we ask, while you do that, while you build your own parlay, head over to CoolBet, click the exclusive tabs. You're going to see some others. Um, you know, our our, uh, our friends at the Lax Class Parlay, they got theirs up. We've got ours up now. Um Take a look at the, the daily Canadian specials, especially this weekend. Super wildcard weekends go on. You know there are going to be some NFL exclusives. Um, some of the other partners at CoolBet uh, will will be throwing down some NHL parlays probably as well. And um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on right now in and around the world of sports. Better couldn't think of too many better times to be playing at CoolBet.com. And uh, if
0: it's the first time heading over to CoolBet, when you register, hit that green button top right, put in all your information. And then when you're going to make your deposit, there will be another little green bar, promo code, and type in OTCB. And CoolBet will match your first deposit up to 200 bucks, so you get double the amount of fun to place double the amount of bets. And as we always stay, say, stay cool. Bet responsible um on your uh what was it, like a six-hour flight to the dr from toronto uh for
1: four and change, four and change. Was it direct? was it direct uh way there was direct way home was not but um a little bit of uh maybe a blessing is the fact that i got to watch pretty much the entire bills game because of ah. the uh, the layover <laughs> what airport were you in Montreal, I just, you know, maybe maybe I did it on purpose to get the lay of the land for the unbox <laughs> game in uh, in about a month, but yeah, no, we were in Montreal, so, uh, nice. although there was uh, delays, so it wasn't really much of a layover, but enough yeah. to watch the game, and shout out TSN, shout out Air Canada, um, I got to, because it was a, a short flight inside the country, Yeah. TSN was available on the flight so I got to watch like the last oh, yeah, 8 minutes uh, uh, of the game from uh, <laughs> from the comfort of 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 my seat so that was pretty fun.
0: Um did you get how far did you get in in Borea the le- the journey of a legend the Borea Salming documentary?
1: Man, honestly it's so uh, it's so funny you say that. I had it downloaded. I actually didn't end up watching it cuz so on the way down I finished Watched Shorzy season two. I watched yeah. the uh p- the Prime Uh Coach Prime documentary. Oh, um yeah, yeah. Which that is pretty on? good, I think. Oddly enough, Prime. Uh, Amazon <laughs> Prime. So I watched that and then um and then it was close to like us landing. So I ended up like throwing yeah. on a, a podcast to listen to. Maybe that's when I listened to the podcast. Maybe it was uh maybe it was when uh I um, heading down,
0: but did it. you buddy, I just thought of this? Did you watch the seals dock since you were kind of down there? You would have been able to get get the seals dock in this down there. I didn't even think of that.
1: Damn it. Why do you tell me this now? I of it, <laughs> well, if you would have no. told
0: me you're going on vacation, yeah, I told right. you what to watch. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: But no, I, um, I didn't watch me But it's it's it is in my queue. It's downloaded. I can show you on 4D iPad right. How is it? How is it? Uh I watched episode one with
0: Stephanie and we felt it was kind of drawn out. The first episode was a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched the next, I watched the next three and it kind of picks up and it, it jumps a bunch. Like it, like yeah. it jumps in years. So it's, it's obviously Borey had a, a long career. So it, you know, it starts off with it, with him at home and then getting the call to come to the Leafs and then, you know, then it jumps in like a couple years and they do, they talk about the Canada cup and, um, but I, I'm enjoying it. Uh I got to watch episode five uh, this week. I watched four last night, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's a pretty cool story. It's, it's interesting to see the, you know, how he adapted with Inga Hammerstrom who came over with him um, from, from Gavel Sweden. So, uh, and then I obviously don't want to, Put any spoilers out there, but yeah, it's it's just fun. It's it's a good watch. Obviously, you know Boreas Alming, I was real, real young when he was on the tail end of his career, um, but obviously knew the name and, and knew the story. And obviously, I think he passed. He passed away a few years ago, right? And they had a big um tribute to him uh, yeah. at a Maple yeah, Leafs game. Year. So yeah, he was he was an absolute legend. So yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm sure you will too, especially being a Leafs guy. But I saw on the old TikToks the other day that um world rugby is going to do a documentary on uh, the six nations tournament so the six nations if you don't know for rugby is um england wales scotland france italy and ireland and Mm -hmm. they play for the six nations trophy and so it's a behind the scenes documentary on on that tournament so uh i'm not sure when it comes out obviously sometime in 2024 uh, but, uh, yeah, I saw the, a teaser for that, and I'm, that that is definitely going to be on my list. Obviously, we would all love to see the NLL do something like that. Obviously, the Seals are, the Rush do something, but behind the scenes one, the Rock do one. But it, I think it would be awesome if we ever had the budget to, to follow, whether it's, you know, like a quarterback situation in the NLL where they're following goaltenders or star players from each team or they – Go a hard knocks where they go really in depth with just one team. Uh, I think that would be a, a pretty cool thing. But uh, rugby Six Nations will be coming to Netflix, I believe, unless someone just created a a, a trailer and has me completely bamboozled. But um, I think that's another one that's coming along the way.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Rock City Unplugged uh, episode two. I think just dropped yesterday, so Tuesday we're recording on a Wednesday. I uh, hadn't had a chance to watch it yet. I I am definitely going to watch it. Um, we gave a little bit of a teaser on the broadcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Chris Bushy was able to have a little jam session with yeah, the Hamilton band uh, Monster Truck. They played at halftime, so you know to do a little promo. You know, obviously Chris Bushy and uh, Mike Hancock go back a little bit to their Bulldogs days in Halton Hills. So yeah, yeah. Hancock knew that he was quite the musician and, and played the drums. So they set this thing up and really cool, really cool. Bushy yeah. uh, he, he kind of downplayed played it. Uh, but yeah, he can play the guitar, he can play the drums and he's a damn good drums player. Like you, you will go watch the video because it, yeah. it's really
0: cool. I remember watching the clip you guys played in the broadcast, and he was just kind of just very simple. I'm sure there was at one point where he just goes absolutely off and starts hitting everything all at once. So, a lot of good stuff to watch uh, while you're traveling around, sitting at home, killing time before games. But week seven is just around the corner a busy weekend. Toronto, Halifax, San Diego, Vegas, Buffalo, Rochester, Saskatchewan, Philly. Panther City, New York, Albany, Georgia, San Diego, Colorado, Calgary, Vancouver, TSN game of the week goes Friday, Halifax, hosting the rock. Pat will be there along with John Abbott and Mackie will have the call, but don't forget all the other games available on TSN plus and ESPN plus. Thanks to Mackie for giving us some time today. Uh, Give her some love on social media. Be nice to her. Uh, Tell her she looks great and did an incredible job because uh, we all know she will as she makes her TSN debut. Find Pat on Twitter, at pgreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the instas at OTCB podcast. Thanks to Cool Bet for helping you win some money over the weekend and enjoy the games. Be safe and be excellent to each other. I am an
2: outfall.